Q&A's, Q&A's, 14th podcast. Eric, they're all number 14 because Ethan said he like read somewhere where the average podcast lasts 14 and then it's dead. So they're all 14. So uh, this is Kevin Brittingham from Q. I'm here with my buddy Eric Graves, who the first time I met, I thought he was Zach Galifianakis, uh, <laughs> which is a true story 10 years ago. Um, uh, he runs SSD, which I realized today I've never heard SSD actually, but Soldier Systems Daily. So one of my favorite blogs, Eric and, and one other guy, my favorite parts of the firearms media, um, my favorite people who've been friends with for a while, and if probably most people that listen to this have seen this blog. Well, if name not, the other guy too. So yeah, Rob Curtis. So he's at Recall now. When I met him, he was employed by the Army. Um, he was like, what, like a combat journalist when I met him and did... Um, uh, the blog and stuff for the Army Times. I forget what Gear it's Scout. called. Gear Scout. Gear Scout? Yeah, Rob used to work for, used to run Gear Scout. Gear Scout. Okay, Rob and I are blog. old friends. We've been friends for quite a while. For years. Yeah. Um, so, you're here in New Hampshire doing a few different things, which is really cool. Um, so, anyway, how you been? What's going on? I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with me, my name is Eric Graves, and I run uh, Soldier Systems Daily. I've been doing that for uh, just over ten years now, publishing, That's publishing incredible. every day. Uh, you know, incredible it's ten years. So it's it's Soldier Systems Daily, and uh, we talked about this a little while ago. So I'll tell everybody the whole why it's Soldier Systems Daily and not just Soldier <laughs> Systems. So for about the first. I don't know, six months or so, it was Soldier Systems. And then I realized our initials were SS. And of course, you know, even 10 years ago, I realized that wasn't going to work. So uh, I added in the daily because I was writing seven days a week. And I have published uh, now for 10 years every day for seven years. For 10 years, seven days a week. Now, have you ever skipped a day? One time. Are you uh, serious? The first year. One time in 3,650 so, days. So, uh, well, we started in May of uh, 2008. Yeah. And in the summer of 2008, I was at a family reunion at a state park, and there was no internet access. So I missed that day. So that was uh, in the well, summer. And so that's I, when you started, too. You so, right. So, right. So, I mean, you got to consider, I've been doing this, you know, every day and, mul- and multiple stories a day. It's, in- it's incredible. You, you know, like I think when I talk to my fiance or other people, uh, you, you know, for me, and this is probably maybe to some degree you, um, I love what I do so much and it, it is, it is work, but I know what it takes to be successful. And so, you know, like just realizing this summer with my children, like, oh my God, most of the time I work like 16 hour days. And like I might fit in like an afternoon skate session with my son or something like that, but I work a ton. But when you do something that you love, it, it, it's you just work every day. You work all the time, and yeah, I don't think that's like optimum for some people in my personal life. But it's just the way. Well, it is. it's part of our family rhythm. I mean, yeah. at this point, my kids are used to it. My wife's used to it. Um, you literally wake up, you know, and. You develop a rhythm that most days yep. you follow. Yeah. Um, because I put the next day's website to bed before I go to bed every night. Oh, that's so cool. I work on it during the day, and and the plan is, you know, I've, I'm I've, more organized. Yeah. Now. So kind of the 
the publishing rhythm of Soldier Systems Daily is seven articles a day, Monday through Friday. That's so uh, many. Three on Saturday and about five on Sunday. So we average 42 a week. That's uh, great. And when I say we, that's really an air quote we because I publish about 90 to 95% of what what is on the website. Um, and I'll get into that in a second. But I want to kind of people to understand how because the website Because most of runs. it is you, right, as opposed to like... T-Tag and Firearms Blog or others that I like. I don't like have a have, lot of contributors. Yeah, they have a lot of contributors, yeah, so right. it's not one guy. So, yeah. so Soldier Systems Daily is Eric Graves. Yes, for the most part. And, that's uh, interesting because And my son helps out a little bit. Oh, that's uh, cool. He writes a little bit for me. And then there, I have regular contributors, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it in a second, but I want to kind of get into this rhythm of Monday through Friday. So um, everything is run off of uh, Greenwich Mean Time because I travel all around the world. Mm-hmm. all the time I'm constantly on the road so it's a it's a constant that I can plan when things are going to publish yeah and so normally uh, what you'll see is a 6 a.m. a 9 a.m. a noon article that's uh, East Coast Standard Time or well whatever East Coast is because right now it's East Coast Daylight Time so 6 9 12 East Coast Time uh, 2 p.m. 4 p.m. 6 p.m. 8 p.m. the reason we stop at 8 p.m. is because that's midnight Greenwich. Oh. So it puts me to bed, and then I get, you know, and then the next morning the website starts over again at 6 a.m. So seven articles a day, Monday through Friday. Oh, wow. uh, what you'll see generally is the 6 a.m. story is usually something that I want the East Coast to see. So I am targeting generally government with my articles. So oh, I, yeah. I talk about Solar Systems Daily is a business to government kind of website where I talk about you know business and government it's an industry daily so uh, if there's a new product coming out that I, I think government should see uh, then I'm gonna put that at 6 a.m. if it's something that I think that it's really important for consumers a lot of times I'll put that at 9 a.m. because think about how yeah. the US clock works 9 a.m. on the East Coast 6 a.m. on the West Coast you know and everything in between and so I'm leaving it up for three hours okay. it's gonna get a lot of eyeballs throughout well, that, you know, three hours. Okay, well, you talk about, like, uh, government, procurement, that kind of stuff. What about your background? What what led you oh, to what, How I got into this whole mess. Yeah, because so, that, that, yeah, that explains was, a lot yeah, more. Right, you're okay. like, like yeah. I, wait, wait one yeah. second. I like, because I like yours because I've, I've been involved in that for a long time. Um, c- kind of who you aim a lot of your content at. And then the firearms blog, because I've also... You know, that's the, those are the two parts of the industry I've been involved in, the commercial and then the government side. Yeah. And, and so the firearms blog, fire blog they, do a lot of, they do a lot of government stuff too, which is pretty cool. Well, they've um, evolved a bit. Yeah, because, well, I mean, there's so much smaller development going on right now in, in U.S. military, but yeah. internationally as well. Um, so how I ended up in this whole thing is I spent uh, 21 years in the military. Uh, about half my career I was an enlisted guy in the Army. Uh, and the other half, I was an officer in the Air Force. Um, when I was enlisted in the Army, I served as a radio operator in a long-range surveillance detachment in Germany. Back during the Cold War, I speak German, French, and Haitian Creole. I served as a signal intelligence specialist uh, with uh, 3rd Special Forces Group for many years. Oh, I didn't um, know that. And uh, then when I took a commission in the United States Air Force, I was an intelligence officer. I was the first intelligence officer with uh, Air Force Special Tactics. I served at the 720th Special Tactics Group. I served at the 21st STS, the 23rd STS. Uh, when the war began, 
coincidentally, uh, in September of 2001, I moved uh, from uh, Pope Air Force Base with the 21st SDS to Special Operations Command Pacific. So the early part of the war I spent in the Philippines and uh, supporting the war on terror in, uh, in, in the Pacific Rim. Uh, there was a lot of stuff going on that most people don't know about. It was kind of the second front. Yeah, it hasn't gotten front. a lot of news. No, it never got a lot of news. There was a lot of stuff, you know, kind of second front stuff. Um, some interdiction of weapons of mass destruction from uh, North Korea to other parts of the world. Um, and so uh, we support a lot of operations there. I ended up serving as the science advisor there, uh, working on new technologies and uh, novel uh, uh, ways of finding bad guys so that people could kill them. And uh, that nominated me for a, a special assignment uh, to an organization uh, that's classified. Uh, and uh, I spent my last uh, several years in the Air Force uh, uh, in the Washington, D.C. area uh, in, a, uh, in an organization that kind of doesn't exist, um, doing special technology work for the government. Um, and then I retired in uh, 06. I uh, went to work for a small... Uh, DOD contractor uh, working for DARPA at the time for about a year and then uh, a, a small company started up and they asked me to come to work for them down in uh, at Blackwater and the company was called Aries Systems Group. I was the first employee there and uh, I worked on their armored vehicle program and I did test and evaluation work for, uh, for Blackwater. Uh, I blew up uh, armored vehicles. I shot them with uh, everything from 20 millimeter on down. <laughs> and uh, built a lot of IEDs and blew them up and EFPs and blew them up and uh, built a really cool armored vehicle. But unfortunately, uh, Blackwater kind of found themselves at odds with uh, the Obama administration hmm. and became, uh, um, they, they were, Blackwater was no longer the flavor of the week uh, with the Obama administration and they ended up laying a bunch of people off um, in the spring of 09 and that's when I got laid off. And it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me in my whole life. So uh, you've been doing the blog. Uh, for about a year. So I started yeah. in uh, spring of 08. So I'm like, I've always loved doing things, uh, you know, they're soldier centric. I'm always interested in, you know, like armor systems and, and small arms. Yeah, it's it's clear, like yeah. you love the gear, like yeah. following the blog. Yeah. You, you love the gear, you, you love all yeah. of that stuff right and I was a boy scout growing up I used to camp a lot it's, it's clear yeah. in the blog and, and you know and, and, and I was always in some special units so we always had better equipment so I was always interested in that and I was always interested in ways to you know get more and more equipment out to to soldiers better equipment so I'm like what do I I'd done some professional writing when I was still in the military um, and I decided uh, I wanted to start writing again so initially I'd written for print when I was in the service but print is very unwieldy Print takes a long time for it to go to print. Yeah, sure. And if they screw it up, it, it's hard to do it every traction. So I was at a, uh, a conference out in, in San Diego when I was a contractor, and I had picked up a Wired magazine, and I was on a red eye flying back to the East Coast, and I started reading it, and they had this article about a blog called Gizmodo, and uh, it was this uh, technology uh blog and uh, I started reading through it and I decided that I was going to become the uh, the gizmodo of the tactical world <laughs> so and the so, gear queer for yeah, us guys. right exactly <laughs> yeah. so I went home and I was getting ready to go to Sophic 08 
and I started writing, uh, I go, I'm gonna write an article a day anonymously about new gear and kind of the, the industry. And so um, I came up with an idea for a blog and I started writing it. And I started, I went, I'm gonna write a story a day, just to keep myself off the street. And it went pretty well. And after a while, people started reading it. I didn't publicize it anywhere, but guys started picking it up somehow. And um, folks would come to me and say, Eric, you know, we, every time you write about our company, we're making money. We'd like to buy some advertising. But at the time, that company I worked for, uh, I had some intellectual property clauses in my contract, and I didn't want them to get a piece of the action, so I went, now nah, I can't take any money from yeah. you. I'm just going to do this for the enjoyment of it and keep my finger in the pie. And so in the spring of 2009, when they came to me and said, hey, Eric, um, you know, we're going to have to let you go. Um, Blackwater's having some monetary issues, so you can either move back to the D.C. area and go work on a different contract, or we're going to let you go. I went, go ahead and let me go. Now, the ironic part about all this is the week they tell me that they're going to lay me off is the week after SHOT Show 2009 in Orlando. So I was at SHOT Show. Oh, I could wow. have probably found a job. Yeah, totally. Right? Because I was there for work, and I probably could have found a job with somebody if I'd have known this was coming up. But it's probably once again a blessing because yeah, now I didn't go be your own boss, right? Do your so own thing. I went and to my wife and I said, "Wait, I, I, yeah. I see where you're yeah. going." And I think, yeah, that is cool because I think you have an influence on the industry. Like I follow, and I, I want an opinion on this when you're done with your story. But I follow two blogs daily. Like I look at several, but I follow um, your blog and I follow uh, the firearm blog. Sure. And then I follow well, I follow an MMA blog and and. Uh, just a science blog, but separate. So in our industry, there's the only two I follow daily. I look at a couple others, like maybe once a week. And but you know, it's interesting. Me being in the industry now for almost 30 years, um, I forums were a thing, and now forums are so fucking ridiculous, and I hate them. Um, and it's interesting seeing the blogs, and even seeing the difference between your blog, knowing you, your personality, you being the really the primary or only contributor and the others being still companies that have multiple contributors and and all that but how how different times have changed where it's like MySpace, Facebook, oh, yeah, Instagram, absolutely. Snap. Now, you know, me having kids, me having to learn shit from them. But ha how also, even professionally, it's like their forums were very important. And now, like, I don't even look at them and follow in a couple blogs. Well, the problem with forums process. is they've become so tribal. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. They, you know they, we yeah. talked about one earlier, yeah. like Sniper's Hide, which there's some good info on, but people get so entrenched. Every, every forum, and I don't care if it's military, firearms, you know, off-roading, scuba yeah. diving, All you know, stuff. porn, whatever. Uh, you know, you get these people who are kind of, you know, entrenched there, and they have their favorites. Doctor. And when new people come in or new ideas come in, you know, they want to poo-poo those. Yeah. And, and, I, you know, I've said in publicly. So your platform is way better for. Well, it's different because I'm, you know, I'm a dictator. But, yeah. you know, on, on a forum, you know, I feel like they're toxic to business. Right. If yeah. you're if you're not in, totally. Then you know your business gets hurt, and I don't think that's great. So I wanted to build a platform that 
um, allowed uh, innovation to um, you know win out. Uh, I'm sure there are people like, oh, Eric Graves is a jerk because he wouldn't let me say something horrible about Company X, but I don't like drive-by comments. No, oh my God. Speaking of that, like I had this this asshole on our Instagram. So I run our Instagram. Sure. And I think we have some other social media, but I've never even been on. Uh, and, and, you know, like I don't pay for marketing, for instance. Um, but with our Instagram, this guy said something very insulting. And I don't even remember what it was, but it, it was just fucking ridiculous. Like a comment you would read on a forum. And I deleted his comment. Sure. And, and, he comes back and he posts, how dare you, um, you, you know, restrict, regulate, like, what, 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 what did he say? Um, you, you know, basically, me dictate and censor him is what he said. Right. And it's like, hey, fuck you. This is a dictatorship. I run it. Right. And you are not going to come on yeah. here and be that guy. And, like, I deleted you rather than block you as a courtesy. And, like, I don't need to send you a freaking email or uh, slide in your DMs explaining you're an asshole. Like, don't do it again. He came back and like, how dare you censor me? Uh, you know and so I just like blocked is, him right away yeah. because like, you, oh, you you're, should, you're because, the people yeah. that's like, you're what's wrong with the internet. Well, you know, there, there are literally websites now that won't allow any comments. Uh, in fact, you know, funny thing about my Silencer website. Co. Hey, <laughs> Silencer I, Co. blocks comments. I, I block comments. We didn't allow comments for probably the first two or three years of the really? website. No, I, I didn't do it because it, it just was, I didn't want to deal with it, right? It's just, you know, all these people, I, it was really my forum yeah. for me to stand on my soapbox and talk about what I knew and what I felt. Well, it's so funny that some people feel entitled to be able to comment and on you or a product and even anonymously like that's one well that's what bothers me like if you're anonymous like if you want to say this company is shit or this is wrong or you're stupid whatever you should not say that anonymously Uh, for me personally and i'm not saying that's what you should do for your site but for me what i control you can say whatever you want but you better use your name if you're going to go and insult people and say things are stupid or you better, if you don't want to use your name, and I can understand being anonymous because you're in a, you know, the thing with our industry, if you are if you have a day job and you're in an industry that would punish you because you're interested in our industry, I respect and understand that. I, yeah. I, I think it sucks, but that's okay. But you better back it up with some science and not because you're some idiot that bought their product and their marketing. I agree with you 100%. I, yeah. I'm not a fan of uh, some of the anonymity that's uh, offered on the internet it, where people aren't held accountable for things they say. But, you know, it, yeah. when you're just destructive to other companies for no reason, and, and I've, uh, over the time, you know, 10 years, uh, I've published... Oh, about twenty three thousand articles. You know, think about that. Yeah, and and, and I get it. I want I want to talk about that in a second because there's been some criticism of me over some of those numbers, and I'm going to talk about that in a second because I think it's important that I uh, address it. But, um, you know, I I don't think it's fair when a guy who has no skin in the game, he's just some yeah. chucklehead on the sidelines, he wants to go in and hurt a company. And I don't think that's fair to the company when he has no – there's no substantive content for him to go, this sucks. 
Well, if you want to say this sucks, tell me why. Well, this sucks. I mean, I, it's don't go. Some ways don't, it, that company's you know bad. Don't don't just you know do a drive-by yeah. comment and say, I don't like you. You know, Kevin Brigham's a jerk. Okay, I, and I think that's okay. I don't because to don't me, like the firearms industry, if you view it as a pie, like our little company right now can service one percent optimistically. Realistically, in a few years. 10 to 20 percent a political election like i say in a lot of the podcasts like you win 51 percent done like we probably have like a 70 to 80 percent rating which most companies want 100 percent. i don't give a shit about that no. you do not have to like me if you don't want to buy my product because you don't like me or you don't like ethan or you don't like the way i marketed or i called out silencer code because they suck or whatever the thing is that i did that is 100 percent okay don't follow us. Don't buy my product. You hurt my pocketbook. In the end, I can only service a few people. I want like a seventy percent rating. Yeah, I like can't make approval rating. I can't make everyone. And I don't happy. care. Like if I'm making everyone happy, I'm not changing the world. And for me, I'm a product guy. Like I want to innovate. And in my innovation, and what uh, excuse me, what I believe is important for us and is going to make us successful. Successful meaning what I view is making me happy on a daily basis and continue to do what yeah. we want and drive innovation the way that I see fit, it's not going to suit everyone. And I don't give a shit. Don't buy my stuff. Don't listen to my podcast. Don't follow my Instagram. Yeah. Fuck off. Go do the other thing. Like, I, I don't want to be average. I don't want to make everyone happy. I didn't get in the industry to make friends. Me and you and Rob are buddies, and that's cool. Yeah. A lot of the media within our industry, I don't like. And like... Just the idea of political election. If you got sixty percent, it's a landslide. That's what I'm okay with. Like I, I don't need everyone to like me. Fair enough, and I, I'm fine with that. I don't need everybody to like me either. I mean, I early on, I think I was there. Like, oh, I don't want to hurt people's feelings, but yeah, of course. In the I end, um, in the end, you know, I've realized that I there are people out there who are just flat, flat out toxic. Yeah, if you go out of your way to to yeah. hurt someone, it's wrong. Right. It, it, if you yeah. if you have if you don't like a product because of XYZ and you can explain it that's perfectly totally okay that, yeah. if that hurts someone's feelings like I, I told a member of the media just a couple days ago emailed me about something and my response was your job is to report what you think of the product based on your experience right. and your knowledge Absolutely. and explain it my job is to accept it and you know like I can you know, I can have some sort of rebuttal and and maybe it's something you missed. But then also my job is like you're pretty educated, so my job would be to correct my product, bring it back to market, offer you an improved product, and you report on that. Yeah. Like it's not it's not your job to kiss my ass and it's not my job to say if my product's flawed, it's great and you're stupid. Right. Like there's, oh, I totally there's agree a balance with that. With you know, me. I think um so as a young uh, military intelligence soldier in the Army, uh, one of the things that I learned was uh, we constantly talked about being timely and accurate. So yeah. uh, you wanted to have the information when it was needed, but it had to be right. And so um, Soldier Systems Daily is run off of the things I learned as a young MI soldier, military intelligence soldier in Germany. Yeah, I mean, that's in interesting because if you're wrong, like, people... Die. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So that was the standard, right, as an MI officer, intelligence officer in the Air Force. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, that I being be part right. of your character is more important than some, like, 
obligation as a journalist. Right. So, I mean, it's funny, you know, uh, the business of being an intelligence officer and being a journalist are very similar. You're taking uh, a lot of disparate sources of information, you're distilling them into a relevant story for a customer, for him to consume, so that he's smarter or safer, right? Well, yeah, I can make a more educated decision. Right. So, I'm doing the same thing I was doing as an MI officer. I mean, I think so. I mean, I will say with you, I mean, and, and some other blogs or... You know, Rob has been influential for me. But with your blog, like, I don't know a lot about, like, gear, whether it be nylon or what What do you call those types of accessories? Like, pack Oh, soft. You know, we call them soft goods. Soft goods. All yeah. The, yeah. You're real into that shit. So yeah. I'm always I, going to factories and you yeah, look at oh, that stuff. You, you, yeah. And it's, it's clear by your blog you're super into that. Well, I'm not super into that, but what happens is I really need it. It's just, like, not my area of interest. Like, I like more I don't know what would you call them like hard goods like I like no you're we, we consider you I mean if from the soft goods standpoint this is all hard goods okay so hard yeah. goods so that's what I'm giving yeah. to so I don't want to spend a lot of time and energy on uh, energy on soft goods but like for instance like we talked about in a couple of weeks I'm going to Africa on a hunt for a couple of weeks I need soft goods sure <laughs> I don't want to spend my time and energy researching it but what I do is I can look at your site and you say these things and you know like you see this new technology or there's yeah. this test or there's this award and that influences me like I get stuff because I don't I don't want to go out and test a bunch of shit Right. And I think that's a great segue into what I wanted to talk about a little <laughs> earlier where I talked about, you know, my content. So, yeah. um, I, it's funny when I early, when I first started doing this for a living, you know, someone had written a blog about blogging and they <laughs> talked about, um, yeah, there are those. Like, like Ethan the, talks to me yeah, about those. He this, there's a those. cycle, right? How you go through and where you, everything early on in your website is you write it. And then after a while you start sharing content from other people. And so, for my first probably six, seven years, I didn't share press releases. I hated sharing press releases. Um, and uh, for some reason, for a period of time, there were a lot of really bad ones. They were poorly written. But at the more popular I became and the more successful I became, the more press releases I started getting in the email. And I went, why am I rewriting these things? So I decided, I'm just going to go ahead and publish people's press releases and I'm going to tell people this is a press release. So if you look at Soldier Systems Daily, we have categories. So if you look at the bottom of the website, or I'm sorry, the bottom of an article, uh, you're going to see like I've selected a bunch of things like clothing, press release, advertiser. So I'm going to tell you, is this guy an advertiser? I'm going to tell you, is this a press release? I'm going to tell you what kind of product it is um, or maybe some kind of new technology. Or is That's it cool. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Because so for instance, like, yeah. you write about us whenever we have something new. But, you know, and, and I've seen criticism on your website of you being a pawn for me. But, like, I've never given you a dollar. No, absolutely not. And it's um, so funny. Like I get accused of some crazy stuff, and um, but you know you, I have advertisers flat out. I, yeah. I mean I gotta feed my Which, family. Yeah, right? you have to. Yeah. I mean it's it's yeah. a thing. But you know I, I mean I think like I obviously take a little more criticism than the average person in our industry. Well, sure, because so, you speak your mind. Yeah, right? and, and you know, and I will say with that sometimes I'm wrong, and if I am, like I I, I like you try to address it later. Like, at least with you, you know, you have the formality and the training of, okay, so you have this source that says this, you have to verify it. And that lends itself to journalism. Right. Like, 
you know, I don't fucking have that. Like, I think something one day based on my experience and my engineers and my thought process, yeah. and I reserve the right to change my mind in two years from now. And a lot of times I was wrong. Like, I remember I called out and I really hurt Magpul's feelings. I When they did a 1022 stock, I said, like, publicly, and it was just, like, stupid, but it, like, gained traction at least where their, like, CEO called me. Um, and it was... I hope Magpul's not... And it was on, like, Instagram. I hope Magpul's not turning into Tapco. And, uh, you know, it was an asshole thing to say. But at the time, it's what I felt. And I said it, and I probably should have waited a day or two before I thought of... Said it. But in the end, like, their 1022 stocks and all are fucking awesome. And I was wrong. They're not doing cheap plastic shit. They're doing great stuff. They're doing great stuff. Yeah, and I I took... You know, but, I mean, I think it's... You know, it's for me. But I, I take criticism... Um... But, you know, whether it's you or it's Rob Curtis or some other people I deal with, the Firearms Blog, Truth About Guns, they all write good stuff for me. Like, I've never paid any one of them, not a penny. But, um, you know, I think we get our shit on merit and the fact that we we get press on merit and the fact that we actually innovate. Okay, so what motivates me are a couple of things. One, innovation. Yeah. Love innovation. Two, um, manufacturing in America. Manufacturing yeah. first, you know, I love manufacturing. Yeah. Oh, you're right. a boy. Like, right. It's, right. it's cool shit. Building yeah. stuff in America and then building stuff to protect Americans. Yeah. While you I don't like necessarily that. anymore build products specifically for the Defense Department uh, or the Defense Sector. <laughs> no, this is but, like summer school for me. No, but like, I, mean, I do what but I want. Look, now. Americans are protecting themselves. The Second Amendment, I mean, the, the, the Constitution writ large is, is you know, critical for me as a, an American, right? I mean, it's, I mean, it, it's, it, it's it fundamental be for, everyone. for me, but it's yeah. not. And so yeah. um, the First Amendment's obviously important because I write for a living. But the Second Amendment, I realize how important it is to our country. And uh, so I'm a big constitutionalist. I'm a huge supporter of the Second Amendment. Um, people get mad at me because I give a lot of money to the NRA every year. I'm um, a huge supporter of the NRA. They don't feel like it's supporting them uh, enough, and I get that. Well, but I mean, I, I don't I, want to get into the think, whole NRA thing well, right now. Well, the NRA but, thing, like, to but, me, too, but, I, I have very constitutional disagreements with parts of the NRA, but they're our biggest and best supporter in... Right, whether we like it or not. They yeah, are the I, biggest I, I like, gorilla in, like, in the neighborhood, to, right? To me, to me I, owe, I owe everything to my parents. I do not fucking agree with everything they believe or say or made me do. Right. But I learned from them, and they're my biggest advocate, Absolutely. and they've been my biggest supporter. And, yeah. you know, I honor yeah. them in that respect. Right. I think the NRA is a lot the same way. But I really don't want to go to the NRA mm. rabbit hole. But my point is that, you know, I mean, there's a Second Amendment category on my website. So, you know, when I talk about how important it is to... Uh, Support uh, the Second Amendment is so important to just supporting the defense sector, and I've, I've yeah. gone into this whole thing. So there's a big story, you know, that I've I've written about multiple times where uh, during the uh, the assault weapons ban, which was a horrible time in American history mm-hmm. uh, as far as uh, small arms development goes. I remember we, we, it. I was yeah, there. Yeah, we, we were getting, you know, in the Defense Department, I, I, in the Army at the time. I was in the Army and in the Air Force. We were getting magazines what was for ninety four, six ninety four, right through yeah. two thousand four, right. Yeah. And we okay. finally sunset. sunsetted that yeah. thing. By the way, people are very critical of the NRA, but the assault weapons ban would not have sunsetted at the end of ten years had it not been for efforts of the NRA. 
So we would not have the firearms well, industry we have today if the NRA hadn't gone around and said, hey, let's let this thing go into that good night. All right, I want to stop you right there. Also, the NRA, when I developed 300 Blackout at Advanced Armament, 10 years, not even 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago. So we commercialized 300 Whisper. I'm not trying to deny that. That's, there were less than 10 states where you could hunt with silencers because of the NRA, not because of the ASA or Silencer Co. or any other bullshit. Because of the NRA, now you can hunt in more than 40 states with silencers. So it's a total flip. So, so you can hunt in 10 states, now you can hunt in 40, and only 10 you can't. Yeah. It's a 100% huge. Right. I, I, I think that's that, very important. So the NRA... Yeah. I mean, the NRA it, does things. I mean, they've unfortunately, done some dumb shit, yeah, but overall, yeah. they have been very helpful so, so, to the Second Amendment right. and the American. And you think about the development of small arms in the United States... Uh, yeah, do you want your, Do right. you want the Army... Like, you were in the Army. Yeah. Do do you want the army's guns built by China? Like we need kids like my son. I hope he grows up designing guns. Like I'm going to, if he wants to be a ballerina, he can be a ballerina. We need kids here to grow up, to want to design the best small arms in the world, because you can think of phasers and stunners and all this weird shit that you see in sci-fi. But you know, the most elite guys in the world, they still fucking shoot people because we don't drop nuclear bombs or yeah, atomic bombs. Yeah, absolutely. Like in World War II, hey, destroyed. The, the man with the gun is still making things happen in America. That's right. Whether he's so, defending so, his family, uh, protecting his neighbors, protecting uh, the nation. The nation, yeah. So we need guns developed in America by Americans absolutely. built here right. because everything that's the highest quality in the world is built in America for absolutely. the most part. And we need it done. So we need the Second Amendment. Yeah. We need the kids to grow up with guns to want to grow up right. and be gun designers. So a strong Second Amendment is critical to a strong national defense. Absolutely, right. 100%. And I've said this a hundred times and I'll keep saying it. And so I go back to, I was going to talk about this a second ago, but um, we kind of got sidetracked a little bit. But yeah. uh, when I was in the Army and then in the Air Force, we had really bad magazines for our Beretta pistols. It's because there was no money in it, right? So they went the lowest bidder. Now, think about everything I can have. I mean, we live in an age of plenty. Yeah. My God. Think about the number, the firearms we can buy, the ammunition we can buy, the optics we can buy, oh the my body God. armor we can buy. Night the, vision thermal. Everything. Well, let me ask you this. Good ba- Lord. Based on that, okay, so y- you have more details than I remember or know or most people and you know most things before they happen what is the value of the 320 contract the SIG contract to replace the M9 what's 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 what what's the SIG 320 called in the military the M1? MHS so modular handgun system okay so so what's it's going to be the M so the M17 is going to be the full-size okay. gun. The M18 will be the compact. Um, Army's buying M17s and some M18s. Marine Corps will probably f- uh, completely field M18s, a compact model. All right. uh, so, Air so, Force will probably so, com- so what, compact what, what's model. What's that contract worth? Yeah, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you. I'd have to look it up. Literally, it's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And, and I think about it, half a billion. Right. And, and you know what? How many people get shot with a handgun? It's it's minimal. Yeah, you and I, you and I both know. You and I, I both think, know. Like you, the, you complain the, the, about the Beretta magazine. I think, why the fuck are we spending half a billion dollars on soldiers having a sidearm? We should give them a better like rifle. Well, or night vision. I, no, or we, we absolutely should give them a better rifle. 
but in the end, we can get into this thermal. whole thing about training, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah training. So, so, training you know, would be way so better there's than There's an aspirational though. program right now with the U.S. Army lead, which is Next Generation Squad Automatic Rifle. And they want to replace... Wait, is, is that a rifle or a, a belt? Fit? Well, it's a, it's a, this is a convoluted deal. But so, so the U.S. military wants to replace the M249 saw and also the M4 carbine. They want to do them about the same time with remember the mark 23 (laughs) oh god so yeah i mean i that was for those of you listening that's the uh hk the 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 socom pistol or the mark 23 pistol which like a six inch barrel 45 offensive handgun weapon system and it was down select was Colt and HK was with silencers built by Multiple HK. Multiple companies Knights. were and they ended up yeah. switching, and um, ends up being uh, an H and K Mark Twenty Three pistol, which is like the most fun to shoot handgun you've ever okay. shot. Forty five accurate we, we with a Knights those... Armament silencer. I've never heard of. We, I don't we, think anyone's ever been killed with one. No, absolutely not. We had those at the Twenty Third SDS when I was there, and we, it's a boat anchor. And so they're like, "Oh, we're going to replace the M4 with this handgun." It's a. It was a. Yeah, it was a. So dumb. It was a goofy SOCOM program years ago, um, but you know, new weapon systems. Um, the DoD is going to modernize. I could get into. I could do a whole podcast about modernization of U.S. small arms, but none of that is possible without um, a free and open market for uh, guns in America. Yeah, you have to have commercial because all the development happens know, here. The first eighty-five percent of my career was military government. Yeah, mostly classified organizations. You cannot make a living or survive or feed 30 families off the money you make from them. So it has to have either big SOCOM, big army, or more importantly, I believe the commercial, the commercial market. market. Commercial market drives all innovation. You think well, about I will say all... it drives, but I will say it supports because, I mean, I work with guys at the most elite level, and I think for most companies, the commercial market does. And, and my new company, Q, is a, is a very commercially based company. But previously at AAC, we were we were not that way, and we worked with a, a a few classified groups that really pushed the innovation. They paid for it, and I was able to profit commercially enough to where it made sense for me. Like I made so much money commercially that it made sense for me to support those groups. Right. No matter what they wanted. Well, and so we did it. you realize that those organizations. Uh, they consume every commodity under the sun. Oh, God! Computing. Yes. Hey, it's so great because you know what was so protection, great for, for me. Small, mobility. Small arms was so cheap because mobility is so yeah right. Expensive. So they're constantly coming up with you know the the most difficult uh, environments in the world and you know the the hardest charging people in the world and yeah. you know and so they really are the pinnacle of That's requirements. So true. yeah, I mean companies that really want to innovate, they're going to go, I want to build a product for, you know, this organization that exists in the Department of Defense or one of its uh, NATO allies, yeah. right? Or, or Five Eyes yeah. allies. And so, um, you know, that, that I agree, that does drive a lot of very niche innovation. But think about um, just all the products that have been developed for the commercial market. I mean, like I said, I wish I'd have been woke 
like pre-1986 and as a kid and knowing that we weren't going to have machine guns forever and I'd have mowed a lot of lawns and given somebody some money to buy me some machine guns and put them away from me when I grew up. But, uh, you know, we are in the salad days of, of you know, capability. As a, as, a, as a consumer or as a military, I can walk out and get anything. I, I mean, I can buy anything. Think about... The, the mines that we put against, uh, you know, building uh, innovative small arms, innovative weapons, innovative guns. We, we just talked to some people earlier today, um, you and I, who yeah. are really kind of behind the whole, uh, you know, um, uh, pistol stabilizing brace movement. Yeah. And uh, think about that. I mean, they, they have done so much uh, that... It's almost made the National Firearms Act for uh, short barrel rifles irrelevant. Yeah, it, it's totally irrelevant. And that's, that's the fault of the ATF um, because, you know, you know, as I said earlier talking with them, it, it, when I got into Class 3 in the early 90s, a Form 4 took 60 days. Now it takes nine oh, months. Oh, easy nine months. Yeah. I bet it's pushing. <laughs> so why would you not? Like, I thought the pistol brace, as I think you did, was stupid. I wasn't impressed. Of no, I'm like, but now you, you can that? cross state lines. You can have a loaded pistol in right. your truck, and you don't have to wait. Like, there's no excuse for the ATF 25 years ago to be 60 days and now take nine months. Well, because That's... nobody was buying guns 60... You know, let's face it. 25 years ago, nobody was buying NFA items. We, we, we didn't understand. The explosion in um, the demand for uh, American firearms... Well, what other industry does a process take... You know, four or five times well, longer it's been, than it's, 25 years ago. That, well, that, there's I, no excuse when it's all computer. Because the government's involved. Well, there you go. All right. But, well, but let's face it. I mean, a, look at demand. Look, the sunset of the assault weapons ban resulted in this huge explosion of, think how many companies make ARs now. I mean, it's okay. America's most popular rifle. Hundreds. Where, right. Where... 10 years ago or 20 years ago, it was a dozen. A dozen people. I mean, I owned an Oli AR before the assault <laughs> weapons ban. I have a pre-banned yeah. gun still. When I got home. into guns, it was Colt, Bushmaster, Olympic Arms. That was probably it. Yeah, there was one of the... What was it? There was some little company building the lowers. I can't remember the name of them, but they were out of spec, right? Because nobody really knew what the spec was at the time because, <laughs> you know, the Colt, T, the Colt TDP hadn't been, you know, kind <laughs> the, of proliferated. Yeah, so, I mean, but now again. people build better. You know, when you tell me I got a mil-spec gun, I'm, I'm kind of laugh a little bit because everybody can build better than mil-spec now. Yeah, we got the... Everyone I mean, has the drawings. We, look at the, what you guys are doing. And the innovation is amazing to me. I'm, I'm looking at the wall and I'm seeing, uh, you know, a honey badger... You know, and I'm, I'm seeing a fix, and uh, I just, uh, today, I, I took a look at, the, you know, how the fix is built, and I'm just amazed. Yeah, you built at, one. Yeah, I built one. Well, it's, you, you know, it's just amazing. You know, I think it's a culture, too. Like, I'm not an engineer, but, you know, I honor and respect them, and, um, you know, I every asshole in the world come up with a good idea, but... You got to execute it, and that's why you know, Q. We're still young and we're small. More than half the employees are degreed engineers. That is very, very rare. Like at Daniel Defense, 
like I was in a lawsuit with them uh, about a year and a half ago. The head of engineering did not have an engineering degree. That's pathetic. Uh, and I think that's pretty common in our industry. Like Gym Tech, to my knowledge, has never had an engineer, a degreed engineer employed. Um, maybe they do now, but they didn't a few years ago, and I don't know of one. Silencer Co., you know, we see it now. Like, we did a, a new mount, a Plan B to replace their Omega, and now we're doing one for the Saker and their other cans where we sell out within hours because their mount for their silencers is garbage, and the cans fly down range to get stuck on the guns. They never had. So Jonathan or whatever, Jonathan Schultz, who's one of the founders and owners, he's not a degreed engineer. Like, I designed all the mounts at AAC. They are bad. It's because I'm not an engineer. Um, our workforce here, half the employees are degreed engineers. And I think that's very rare for our industry, maybe not for other industries. And I think you see products now that speak to that, the Honey Badger. Um, something Ethan and I and Robert Silvers did 10 years ago. It's way better now. That's because of engineering. The fix, like you built one today. Well, you know, I built that. The young man who helped me, he's an engineer. <laughs> he was he, the right. lead designer. He, and, and he, you know, he sat down with me and um, explained why everything was built the way it was on the on the rifle. And that's impressive to me. Uh, just seeing on an assembly line where a guy understands how the gun is assembled uh, as well as why it was designed the way it was. Well, it's based on, it's assembled based on the way it was designed. Right. And then we have to fixture it to be assembled, you know, so the engineers, so for the fix and the, the new honey badger, so the engineers have to assemble the first. Well, you know, it's all about scalability, companies. right? I mean, a big company, Colt, Remington, Sig, they're not, they're not going to have that same guy down on the line with me, you know, seeing how things are built because they're just bigger companies. Well, but, but I mean, that's an, that's an advantage your company has over large companies the, the, is that your flash to bang is so fast. Yeah. Well, I think the Remington 700, they've sold 12 million copies of it. So the fix, I believe, is the next Remington 700. Um, well, you know what? When, when you sat me down in this building two years ago? Yeah, a little over. Yeah. And, and you told me, I'm going to replace the, the 700. That, you, yeah. you showed me a drawing. You, you laid it out on the and table. the gun's not much different. Right. Still, it's not, that right. drawing still yep. not You rolled yeah. that. Me and Rob and a couple other people were here to, for, you know, for your launch, and we were very excited for you. And I didn't expect this thing, and you rolled out this drawing for me, and it was the fix. And you're like, I'm going to build a bolt gun. And I was like, a bolt gun? And yeah. I was like, really? And, you know, and it was so funny because I saw the calibers on it and I knew who you were, like, thinking about. And um, it's so funny, you know, that to see that. And and then down the road, the gun is built and it's it's real. And I can touch it and I can shoot it. And it's amazing. You yeah. know, just a couple years later, you've got a gun that you've been putting on the street for a while. And not only that... You're looking towards the future already by going, oh, I can, I can uh, scale this up, I can scale this down, I can take this technology, I can introduce new calibers. And I'm starting to learn something, you know. So on the soft kit side, the, the long pole and the 10 is materials, yeah. right? On this side, the long pole and the 10 is ammo. It's ammo and it's mines. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, and so I, I've realized so that. So I have, to own, I have I realized, to own both of those. Yeah, I have to I, own the smartest guys. Right. And I got to own the ammo. Right. And so I've started to realize that um, figuring out the best cartridges uh, for whatever that application is, whether it's hunting uh, meat, you know, hunting, uh, mm-hmm. hunting animals or hunting humans, uh, there are different cartridges for different applications. And yeah. they all do different things. And I didn't appreciate ammo until just a few years ago. And, and I didn't really appreciate ammo, to be honest with you, as a military guy, until I started shooting 6.5. Yeah. 6.5 is when I went. 6.5. Wow, that blew my head up. I, my first yeah. time I shot 6.5, I, I went, holy cow, because I've been saddled with 308 for so long that I was like. Well, I remember oh, my, my, my first shot was 6.5. We were out shooting. I've never heard of it. I went with a pro baseball player who was a friend of mine. This is years and years ago. And uh, I never heard six five Creedmoor. He told me, and so seven hundred forty yards, a twelve inch plate. He told me what to dial, hit the plate on the first shot. Exactly. And I was fucking sold. Do you know but, Tom Fuller? You know Tom Fuller? Yeah, I know Tom. Okay, Tom. So Armageddon gear. So uh, I was asked to go out and and shoot a pro am uh, match with him, mm-hmm. and uh, we had two of George Gardner's guns. Yep. George and, builds uh, good guns. George builds great guns. Yep. And I'd never shot 6.5 before. Really great guns. And so I, I go with Tom, and he goes, we're going to sight in before we start the match. And I go, okay. And so he goes, we're going to shoot uh, 800. Solid plan. We're going to yeah. shoot 800. And I'm like, okay, great. And he goes, we're just going to shoot 800. And I go, can I start like at 5 and then work out? Because I'm used to 308, right? And he's like, no, no, no. Just dial this, and you're going to hit it. And bam, it's like a laser. I was like... Holy cow. Yeah. Now, I didn't do real well on that first PRS match um, that I shot, but um, it was like a big awakening for me. Like, wow. Well, ammo. Yeah. You know, when you start to think outside of the DOD 5.56 and, and, you know, well, 7.62. I, I, I think if you grow up, like, you know, you grew up in the Army. Like, if you grew up in the military, you're indoctrinated and all this shit. Like, to me, I just think logically. And like killing, if it kills a person, it kills a deer. It's all the same. I thought, you know, 300 blackout wouldn't exist if it weren't for a classified group in the military. Mm-hmm. They asked me to do it, and we did it. Remington wouldn't even do it. Hornady did it, and we see the success. But I saw in the commercial market, not just like killing Bin Laden, but it's the modern 3030. And the AR-15 is the modern lever gun. And it is. Like, when I go with all three of my children to hunt, I take an AR-15. I can collapse the stock to any length. All my kids can shoot it. We're all good to go. We take one gun. It's very easy. 300 Blackout is a great cartridge. Um, It's not the best cartridge. So, like, I like to shoot stuff with 308 better. But if I want a lightweight, compact gun and a 30 cal bullet that fits in an AR and it's super and subsonic, Blackout's the best cartridge. Um, you know, the 6.5 thing, like one of these groups, after I was fired from Remington, my very first thing I did was I went to Knight's Armament and I built two SR25s and 260. And I took them to these groups and I said, okay, here's an SR25, so your 308 gun, and now it weighs it one pound more rather than three pounds more than your M4. It has a trajectory of 301 mag. And your hit probability is way better. Recoil is half. This is far better. 
now they're all going to that. Right. Um, you know, it made sense. But for me, like, I didn't grow up in the Army, so I view things as, okay, you are these classified groups. You can have anything you want. Right. Small arms, very small cost. Mobility, all these other things that you, yeah. you explained, far greater cost. Small arms are very small. Like, cost-wise, get whatever the fuck you want. This is better. You have guys that weigh 135, they five foot six, and you got guys that weigh 280 pounds and they're six eight. Like this gun now has your hit probability is better, your recoil is half. You don't have to buy, you know, you don't have to get free army or ammo. You can get whatever you want. Like this makes sense. And I think it's the same thing. And I think eight six will see the same thing. Like eight six to me, like I think long range. I love 300 Norman Mag, I love 300 Wind Mag, I love 6.5 Creedmoor, I love 260. I like 300 Blackout. I think it's better than 5.56 in some ways. And I think our new 8.6 Creedmoor or probably 8.6 Blackout cartridge is better because a 12 inch, 12 and a half inch barrel, more muzzle energy with supersonic than an 18 inch 308. Subsonic's quite as a 22, shooting a 350 grain bullet that expands out of a 12 inch barrel and where we are dictating the the barrel twist so we can get accuracy with a subsonic long cartridge or the long bullet at distance we can shoot one moa and the bullet expands and we can kill shit that's an advantage if you want you know if if you want to kill like this is 300 blackouts big brother if you want to kill stuff inside of 300 yards you don't need a 308 you need a 86 blackout Supersonic, subsonic. You pick your cartridge, and we're 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 dictating the, the the twist for accuracy for the subsonic. So we're doing things better than we did initially with 300 blackout. The lessons I learned. Well, I, I think first off, I want to say that I'm super excited about SOCOM with the 260 Remington and the uh, 6.5 Creedmoor. You know, decision to to purchase 6.5 Creedmoor. I think it's a huge leap forward. I believe that uh, 7.62 will go away within SOCOM within the next five years uh, for a variety of reasons. But like you championed 300 Blackout 10 years ago, it's watching you start to work on 8.6 Blackout here in the future, I think is super exciting. And real quick, I want you to um, kind of talk about um, we talked about this earlier, and I want you to discuss this a little bit. This concept of is it eight six Creed yeah. or is eight point six Blackout? Can you just mention something real quick? Because well, we need to move forward with this technology. Yeah. I think it's a great move. All right. So, um, all right. So we're talking about eight six. So um, it started out as Ethan and I, as soon as we did three hundred Blackout. Um, wanted to do we knew about 338 federal and we wanted to do uh, an improvement on that that could be subsonic and supersonic and uh, we were never given the opportunity at Remington and so uh, with SIG we never got there either here we did it um, and it was 338 Creedmoor originally and Creedmoor because we knew Hornady was open to it we talked to them at SHOT Show a couple years ago um, and the Creedmoor was kind of just a couple things to entice them by using the Creedmoor name to give them more credibility. 
Um, and then also we were shortening a 6.5 Creedmoor case because we wanted to use that shoulder rather than 338 Federal shoulder. 338 Federal didn't work because the case was too long so you couldn't use subsonic uh, projectiles. Uh, long projectiles, they wouldn't seat in the case correctly so we need to shorten it up. 338 Federal is a great cartridge. It's full capacity, 20 round, you know, like whatever. Um, SR25 mags or any 308 mag, uh, but you have you don't really have a good subsonic option. So shortening the case like a Creedmoor and and changing the shoulder angle from 20 to 30 degree um, makes a lot more sense. Um, out of a 12 and a half inch barrel, we're able to get the muzzle energy, uh, you know, greater than a uh, 308 18 inch. Um, and subsonic, we're able to get as quiet as a 22 and load, you know, well over 300 grains and have it be an expanding subsonic bullet. Uh, so it's probably, so then we decided because it's Creedmoor, all the Creedmoor cases are a metric designation uh, and measurement. So we you changed it to 8.6, which is metric for 338. And then, um, but now I think, and, and probably because of Hornady, like who's in charge there, brought up a, a good point. Like he views it as a precision round, and that uh, Creedmoor. Creed. He, he looks at Creedmoor as the precision rounds on the market. Yeah. So, so calling it blackout explains what the ammo actually is. And basically, if you want to know what the difference between 300 blackout and 8.6 blackout are, it's the same difference as 5.56 and 308. So can, can we do something right now? Sure. So it's uh, it's mid-August here. Mm -hmm. Can we just say from here on out, we're not going to say 8.6 Creed anymore. We're going to say 8.6 blackout from here on out. And uh, start. I'll do my best. Right. I like to keep it, everyone guessing with marketing. All right. But Fair yeah. enough. 8.6 blackout. But I think 8.6 blackout does make more sense. And, and, I, and I told you earlier uh, that... I think it's really cool that you championed 300 blackout earlier, you know, in the, yeah. uh, 10 years ago, a decade ago, and now yeah. you're championing uh, 8.6 blackout, which is a, you know, a, a different round, and uh, it's yeah. got a little different application, and I think they'll work together uh, to do different things. Yeah. And it's going to be pretty exciting, and, and not only that, but you told me earlier that you learned a lot of lessons. Um, when 300 Blackout yeah. came out on the market, you were like, looked at one aspect of it, and it's not just the ammo, it's a lot of things. Yeah, and the barrels, the guns, all the things, and like we need gas gun people involved because the subsonic, supersonic of the 8.6 Blackout cartridge will cycle gas guns. It's also a great bolt gun cartridge. Um, you know, with a 12 and a half inch barrel, if you have, especially if you have a folding sock or something, you have a compact gun, you can hunt whitetail with it, you can hunt black bear, grizzly bear, anything you want. So basically, 8.6 out of a 12 inch barrel with supersonic, if out to 300 is better than 308. And with subsonic, it's silent. So that's wonderful. Um, so it covers 99% of the, what people actually shoot. Like if you want to go shoot steel, 308 might be better at distance. And 6.5 Creedmoor is even better than that. Um, so I'm not saying it's a do-all, but it's something that doesn't exist. And where, you know, maybe it didn't make sense 10 years ago. I think it did. But where it makes more sense now and it's more justifiable is, number one, 
10 years ago you couldn't hunt but in less than 10 states with silencers which we said now you can hunt in more than 40 states which it flip-flop which you said and the other thing is the the arm brace like the sb tactical arm brace the sig brace it wasn't accept well it didn't exist then but a few years ago it wasn't even accepted now it is accepted the atf's accepted the public's accepted like they're, they're every manufacturer there is, is a, like Ruger makes a gun with an arm brace. And this is a great cartridge for a gas gun, a bolt gun, you name it, a single shot. I'm really excited about the development of this cartridge and the firearms that are gonna shoot it and, and where we can use that. Yeah, it's exciting. You know, to me, I think the difference in me and whether it's JD Jones with 300 Whisper or it's, you know, other companies, um, you know, like to me, I've been poor and I've been rich. I don't know how to completely monetize this thing, and I'm not totally interested in it. Like, I want this program to be successful because I think it's important that we propel the industry forward. Yes, right. and it whether it's military or commercial right. or dry, because now, like, this gives AR-15 builders new life. This gives silencer builders new life. This gives ammo makers, bullet makers. Like this is something, and you know, I'm not claiming we invented it. Like you'll get you'll get the a couple people on your blog, and there will be people on forums. Oh my God, I've been loading 300 or 338 Federal for years, and all they did was rip it off. Well, kind of, we did rip it off. Like the idea was very good, but you take a 308, put a 338 bullet in it. Okay. Well, we want to load it subsonic. We need to fit it in a in a magazine. So we need to shorten the case. Six five Creedmoor. There you go. I, I mean, a lot of the things that, that I've done in my career are not new. But it's innovative in a sense that these things hadn't been put together or commercialized. And I think it's, you know, when we do, when we talk about like the fixed rifle, there aren't a lot of arguments for the things that make that gun special. But do I think we invented a lot? No, I think we innovated a lot. Um, and that's why the gun's going to be successful, and that's why my grandkids will probably get, you know, they'll go to college for free. Um, but, you know, I also think it was a very big risk on my part, and I spent millions of dollars because I believed in these programs. And that's, you know, you get somebody listening and say, oh, millions of dollars, like he's got a lot of money, blah, blah, blah. blah. Well, you know, the I know lots of people with a lot of money. Well, the kind of difference is a decade ago, you got some military organizations interested in 300 blackout. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they're the ones that told us, like, so, you know, so right the now, Navy told us to do it. Well, but today we've got innovation happening completely in the commercial market. Because I know I it's believe, the right thing. But I believe that, you know, I'm very interested in the defense sector, and I believe that some of those guys are going to look at this and go, that might be a capability we want. Well, we, we, we know with subsonic 308, a lot of them converted to subsonic 300 blackout because it made more sense because of the, the case capacity and SDs. If those guys don't jump on this, they're not paying attention. They're not doing their jobs. Um, 8.6 Blackout is superior in subsonic than 300 Blackout in every way other than. You know, one great thing is, like I talked about earlier, we can control the barrel twist. Like, when you had 300 Blackout, we didn't really have a standard. So we had one in eights, one in seven twist rifle, one in six, one in five, one in four. One and three is probably the best, but a lot of the the subsonic ammo expands when you turn it faster than one and five. It expands out of the muzzle, so the ammo's not good. 
Well, this is a huge thing too, right? Both 300, blackout, and 8.6. We're going to have expanded ammunition at that. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have that with other calibers. No. And other cartridges don't offer that capability. No. That's pretty huge. No, and 308, even if you get a good subsonic expanding bullet which could maybe be the same as the, the 300 blackout most of the guns available are 1 in 10 1 in 11 1 in 9 if you're lucky it's not enough to stabilize subsonic bullets you don't sure. get accuracy out of it so sure. people think subsonic ammo is not accurate no subsonic ammo can be very accurate but you have to design from the beginning so what i think you'll see with 8.6 blackout is 1 in 5 1 in 4 1 in 3 maybe probably not but maybe barrels from the beginning there are no standards out there already so we're we're able to control these things which we couldn't with 300 blackout which i didn't know like i was young i'd never done this and like i learned the lessons and we're trying to control it now so you'll see hornady roll the cartridge out at shot show 2020 next year starting in the spring uh 2019 you will see ammo and guns in some people's hands they'll kill stuff with it they'll shoot long range even subsonic and we'll see how it goes commercially ammo will be available at that point like the chamber drawings will be available before then and my goal is that um gas guns and this is just like 300 blackout you can buy a barrel you don't have to buy a bolt same bolts your 308 um you just buy a barrel you don't need a new magazine you don't need anything else this isn't 68 this isn't 65 grendel other cartridges that i like with this you get subsonic and you only need to change a barrel so that's wonderful um so for gas gun and bolt gun you know single shot whatever it's a great cartridge absolutely that's uh it's very exciting to me to see the future and um we could probably go on and on and on about like small arms development and and uh where you guys are going but um i kind of want to wrap this up if it's okay um, <laughs> let's go eat and i want to talk about the future and so I know your children are very important to you, and I want to talk about my future a little bit. Um, I'm very proud of my children. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I have six children, and most people don't know that. A lot of folks have met my wife, Shell, at uh, trade shows or, you know, around industry. Six. Um, but I have six kids. Um, my three uh, older children are out of the home already. I have a son in the uh, firearms industry. He also runs the blog uh, tacticalfanboy.com which is kind of our entertainment website. You know, we talk about Airsoft and kind of some of those kinds of things. I have a daughter in the Navy who I'm very proud of. Uh, I have a daughter who's a 911 operator in, uh, in the D.C. area, and she uh, she's works really hard to make sure that people are safe. Awesome. Uh, and then I have three kids at home still, but one of them's enlisted in the Air Force. He'll be leaving pretty soon. Um, he's an Eagle Scout. He has a brother who's an Eagle Scout. Uh, who's a senior in high school and I have a, a ninth grader and uh, he's a Boy Scout still and you know I do a lot of things with scouting uh, yeah. movement and uh, uh, trying to raise uh, young people into being good adults <laughs> I uh, mean and, that's our job yeah that's yeah. our job and you know I, I think um, I think one of the cool things about the website is I get to meet a lot of young people who read my website. It's funny, I, you know, I'm retired from the service. I've been retired 12 years now, retired in 06. And I'll go back and, and visit folks, uh, some of the units I was in or just out in the service. And it's so funny, I'll, I'll go visit and um, I'm like, hey, what, what year did you get to the unit? And he'll tell me like, 
2014. And I'm like, <laughs> what year did you come in the service? Well, I came in the service in 2010. And, and I'm like, wow, I, you know, I've been retired already at that point. It makes me feel kind of old. But uh, I think uh, we've got some great young Americans, uh, both involved in the military, law enforcement, um, but also in our firearms industry, and yeah. uh, they're innovating. And I, I was fortunate enough to meet some of the folks you have working for you or young folks. Engineers. Yeah, we, we got an yeah. engineer here that's 23. Right. Well, fantastic. I, I mean, holy shit. He, he, so when's that make him alive? Like uh, 18 to 5, so 1995 he was yeah, born? Oh, my God. <laughs> you, know, so, you know, you think about that, you're like, wow. Uh, yeah. And so it, it's really it's really cool to see the future of this industry uh, moving forward. You know, a lot of people are worried about uh, the future of the firearms industry and the future of uh, supporting the Constitution and and uh, things like the Second Amendment, the First Amendment. But we've got a lot of young Americans who are uh, really switched on and understand the importance of those things. Yeah. And so I my future my my outlook for the future of America is very positive. Well. Yeah, I, I'm hopeful, and I think so. It's, it, I mean, I think a lot of the, um, you know, I didn't grow up the most conservative person in the world, uh, but I do think the the extreme liberals have, have have gone so far as to turn a lot of young people conservative that maybe wouldn't be. Um, uh, lately, I think so. I agree yeah. with that. I I agree. Um, there's been some pretty wild thought processes going on yeah um yeah so, so so yeah i think that is exciting like you know i've got three young children raising them and um you know my oldest one is the age of your youngest one and um uh, you know but i also my my parents didn't dictate my path and and they're much more liberal than i am um you know and i chose it based on my experiences and, you know, education and kind of how they led me. And I, I kind of, you know, I try to do that with my kids. And, um, you know, if they want to grow up to be liberal, that's their right. You know, I try to show them all of it and, you know, the lessons that I've learned. And, um, you know, I'm very proud of my kids. It, uh, j- just the idea of being accountable for yourself. And that doesn't mean blaming inanimate objects like firearms. Well, Eric, thank you so much. Let's get some dinner. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> thank it's you. It's fun talking to you. You know, I've right. never told anybody about uh, kind of the, you know, publicly gone into the whole background of how the website started. It's pretty interesting. Well, I think it's interesting for me, too. I hadn't heard some of that. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess that's it. So good luck. So the website is Soldier Systems. Dot net. Dot net. Jesus Christ. I could get dot into net. that if you want to. Oh, when I no. bought it, it was the only thing available. I bought soldiersystems.com. Dot net. Eric is very old. It's a dot net. No, it's Jesus it, Christ. Dot com wasn't available when I bought it. If you go to soldiersystems.com, well, it's going to send you to soldiersystems.net because I've owned it longer. Yes. Years ago when I used to follow you and I would type in soldier systems in Google, it would bring up like all sorts of military things before it'd bring up your website. Now I type it in, your website's number one. Hey, so you've made I'm it. number one on top of Natick Soldier Systems Center that is a DOD activity. So that's pretty impressive to me. Well, it's, it's impressive to me too, I guess. Um, anyway, you're doing great work. 
thank you for everything. Um, you're always a delight, and um, I'm glad well, you're being successful. We're going to do this again and talk about military <laughs> small arms modern Military. Oh, yeah. I love we'll, that. We'll do that. We'll do that next. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you.